Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on 88.3 WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on The Heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on October 21st, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe on Long Island's only NPR radio station. As local districts have grappled with recent bus driver shortages and high demand for substitute teachers, they're also dealing with a shortfall of teaching assistants and aides. Joy Tyrell reports on Newsday.com that educators say teaching assistants are a crucial part of the learning experience, providing small group or one-on-one instruction that enables the teacher to lead and guide the entire class. Several agencies have stepped up to help with staffing. Eastern Suffolk BOCES, which employs roughly 300 assistants and 500 aides, has increased the number of job fairs in the community. Suffolk County Community College has been working with local schools to help address the shortfall. Malloy University in Rockville Center launched free workshops to help prospective employees pass a testing requirement. And the Sagem District reached out with a recruitment tool this fall to 10,000 families in the community to let them know they're hiring. Quote, we often say we're able to run the classes that we do and support the students that we have because of the work of our aides and assistants. That's Ryan Roof, uh, COO at Eastern Suffolk BOCES. Uh, While teacher shortages have been reported nationwide, that's not the case on Long Island, according to Dominic Palma, president of the Nassau County Council of School Superintendents. He said he is hearing from school officials about the lack of assistance and aides. Palma tallied available positions nearly two months into the school year on an online hiring database for educators and found 85 postings for aides on Long Island and 17 for teaching assistants as of Wednesday. The New York State Department of Labor showed a median wage of $34,740 on Long Island and more than 19,000 employed as teaching assistants. In election-adjacent news, the Army veteran charged with attacking gubernatorial candidate Representative Lee Zeldin at a campaign event in Rochester is set to be released from jail and into a treatment program next week. Carl Campagnol reports in the New York Post that U.S. Magistrate Judge Marion Payson concluded that David Jacubonis was not a threat to the public and ruled that he could be let go under strict monitoring pending trial. Jackie Bonus, who faces federal charges of assaulting a sitting congressman over the July incident, will go directly from the Monroe County Jail to the VA Medical Center Bath in Rochester. According to his defense attorney, John DeMarco, he will be required to live at the facility and complete a 28-day alcohol treatment and PTSD program with the Veterans Administration, according to RochesterFirst.com, which first reported his release. Jackie Bonus, a Bronze Star recipient for his service in Iraq, will also have to wear a GPS monitor and a monitor to measure his alcohol intake, the judge ruled. Quote, we're pleased with Magistrate Judge Payson's decision, and given the criteria the magistrate was required to review, it's the right determination, uh, his attorney told the Post. 
in Brentwood. Vacant land will soon be converted into the region's first standalone offshore wind training center geared to high school and college-age New Yorkers entering the wind farm workforce, county and state officials announced yesterday. Robert Brodsky reports on Newsday.com that the announcement comes more than a month after Suffolk County purchased the state-owned parcel at 350 Crooked Hill Road for $1.46 million. The National Offshore Wind Training Center, funded through a $10 million grant from offshore wind developers Orsted and Eversource and their Sunrise Wind Project, would have a 22-year license agreement with Suffolk. The center will provide offshore wind safety training and certifications. Governor Kathy Hochul said the center will help the state move toward its goal of developing 9,000 megawatts of offshore wind by 2035. Quote, when we open next October, the training center will be housed in the future Brentwood Community Center, Hochul said during the announcement at Suffolk County Community College in Brentwood. Quote, it'll be a one-stop shop for training, development, and education in Brentwood. End quote. And finally, more and more Long Island merchants are dinging shoppers with fees for using credit cards, and many of them are doing it in a way that breaks the law. The surcharges, often running 3 to 4 percent of the bill, are usually listed on receipts as a non-cash adjustment or a convenience fee. Serena Trangle reports on Newsday.com that these so-called swipe fees are becoming common at delis and restaurants in the region, but Long Islanders are also seeing the charges when visiting hair salons, going to the doctor, getting their car repaired, or even arranging a cremation. While it is legal for businesses to pass on credit card processing fees to customers, the practice many stores use, simply posting a small sign at the register informing shoppers they will pay extra for using plastic, is not. Under New York state law, stores and restaurants must post the higher price charged to credit card users on shelves, price tags, and menus, uh, the State Division of Consumer Protection told Newsday. They may also list the lower cash prices, just as gas stations post cash and credit card prices, but they may not surprise customers at the register with the higher credit price. Yet sticking customers with swipe fees without proper notice seems to be the norm across Long Island. Bank and credit card networks in the U.S. often prohibited retailers from charging customers for using cards, but this changed in 2013 as part of a legal settlement Visa and MasterCard reached with merchants, according to the Tain Law Group, a debt relief firm based in Melville. Credit card transactions come with at least two fees, a fee averaging 13 to 3.3% of the transaction value is charged by the bank or institution that issued the credit card, and an average of 5 to 10 cents per transaction is collected by Visa, MasterCard, or other networks used to transfer the money, according to The Motley Fool, a personal finance-focused publication. Reading the weather in East Hampton in honor of Thinking Hut's CEO, Maggie Grout, joining us at the bottom of the hour for the Friday morning tea, underwritten by Village Overhead Doors, looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 63 degrees, a beautiful October day, southwest wind, 6 to 8 miles per hour tonight, clear with a low around 47, southwest wind around 8 miles per hour. Right now, it's 40 degrees. Um, We've got a light playlist for you, uh, kicking off with the... um, late and great Travis McKeveny, uh, requested by the Caggianos, who miss you so much, as does your entire family and friends. 
I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Travis McKeveny. First light from his October porches and secondhand fears record. Built to spill Fred Bear and D. Smith and Patrick Watson on deck. I'm Gianna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Dead 
Travis McKevney on WLIWFM and Built to Spill. From 1999 to 2019, a nice two-decade jump forward in time from Built to Spill's Bad Light to Fred Bear and D. Smith's Morning Light. From 2019 here on WLI WFM, Patrick Watson on deck. And stay tuned for Maggie Grout of Thinking Cuts on the heart.
Getting ready for our Friday morning tea segment underwritten by Village Overhead Doors. We'll be talking to CEO Maggie Grout of Thinking Huts. They've got their Think Gala coming to the Maidstone Club this Saturday night. It caught my attention just because of the good they are doing overseas. Uh, They're 3D printing schools for the children of Madagascar. And just going to read you, I'll I'll read these uh, statistics again. Uh, later, but 97% of Malagasy children age 10 are unable to read. Virtually, nearly all children are unable to read and understand a single sentence. Madagascar is the fifth poorest country in the world, has among the highest poverty rates, and 75% of the population lives on less than $2 a day. Uh, There's an estimated need for over 22,000 schools in Madagascar alone. Just checking to see if Maggie is on with us. Maggie, are you there? Um, Yes, can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to meet over the phone. Yes, yes. So so I was just uh, prepping uh, the audience and letting them know about the need in Madagascar for Schools like yours, um, the Thinking Huts, I saw the first uh, uh, honeycomb-type school was actually completed in April. Am I am I on base there? Yes, it was. Um, it took quite a long time because of the pandemic and all, but it was finally completed. <laughs> so it's beautiful. It's it's small, but you know it's it's really cool because it's it's a honeycomb shape, and I imagine uh, that was helpful when you're. You're piecing it together, and you. you uh, I like to hear that you you source the materials uh, locally. So also providing jobs when it comes to windows and things like that. Um, fascinating that uh, you're 3D printing schools now. Uh, what is the cost? What was the cost of the first one? And uh, over time, it, it, will will that cost come down if you begin? Uh, to get in the groove of of producing these things? Yes, um, exactly. So once we are able to purchase our printer, we'll be able to amortize those costs per unit. Um, So the first one would be considered our pilot. So the main cost would come from having to move the printer um, to Madagascar. But the construction materials themselves are quite low just because your money goes further in places like Madagascar and across the African continent. Um, so we're aiming to hopefully get the per unit cost down to under 20000 USD. Um, but this next um, phase that we're trying to accomplish is a larger honeycomb campus and then being able to just keep our printer there so we don't have to go through any type of custom again. Okay, so you're looking to to build a home base. So, so how much did that that the first one cost you? Twenty thousand, or or more than that? Um, the total cost, including like construction and transportation and printer and all of that, I think was close to about three hundred thousand, and it appears quite large. But it was raised over the course of like two years. <laughs> right, and and if you think about uh, building anything here in the states, um, that that would be. Uh, quite a low cost, really, uh, when it comes to to any buildings. It, how how many kids could uh, get instruction in the first one that you built, which is beautiful, by the way. Well, thank 
you. Um, so one hut can accommodate about 30 students, um, but the campus there um, serves about 2,500. Um, so it really will serve all of them at one um, period, I guess, and then there will be a new class each year. So um, it's sort of hard to project the total number that it will be serving. Well, what we can project is the good it will do. Uh, when I was reading these statistics that 97%, according to the World Bank, of Malagasy children aged 10 are unable to read and understand a single sentence. Uh, I'm one of these people that believes that if you change one person's life, you've uh, done something incredible. So if you're even just beginning to change the story there in Madagascar, you've done something beautiful. So I've got to know a little bit more about you, Maggie Grout. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, conceiving of and be, did you found also Thinking Huts? Yes, I did. Um, I first had this idea when I was 15, so almost eight years ago now. And I just worked really hard <laughs> to try to make it a reality and I think it was just a really awesome moment to finally see it um, be printed in real life. Um, but I think in terms of a background story, um, I'm largely influenced by being adopted from China. So I had a more of an understanding of what poverty did look like because I came from quite a poor village. And so um, when I first like met the Malagasy people, I could relate to some of their life stories too. Um, with a lot of the geographical and environmental things, like the rice fields and all of that seemed quite reminiscent of what I would remember from like the early times before I was um, adopted and came over here to the U.S. So now my mouth is hanging over and uh, open, and I'm and I'm sorry to date you, but does that make you 23 years old? Yes, I am. <laughs> and you are making a huge difference for children. Uh, that have backstories like yours overseas, that is an incredible thing. I I'm sure that your your parents are very proud, and we are obviously very proud of you uh, for what you're accomplishing, as well as, as your donors. You know, I know we're, we've got the Think Gala coming up on Saturday at the Maidstone Club, so folks uh, are able to help you in this mission. Um, how did you first go over to Madagascar was it because you you had this this vision? Um, yeah, so I'm actually considering about seven countries, um, and I knew we had to be more thoughtful about how we um, incorporated technology because there are like bad use cases that we have maybe seen in the news. So I wanted to make sure that the solution was needed and that we were welcomed by the people and. Um, the community that we had built this first one with, um, they were really receptive to it, and they were excited about the potential 3D printing has, like not only the school construction, but also infrastructure in general, because it's just very clean there, and there's even like no electricity or plumbing often because it's very rural areas. Right. All right. So, so the the first thinking hut that you constructed that was uh, finished in April is the world's second 3D-printed school. Uh, and now Thinking Huts is hoping to build a bigger home base where their printer will live. Um, and uh, we are letting folks know about ways they can help 
with the journey if that's something they're interested in doing. Uh, thinkinghuts.org is the place to go for more information. The Think Gala is going to be at the Maidstone Club this Saturday between 6 and 10. Uh, Maggie Grout, the CEO of Thinking Huts, is on with us. Before I let you go, Maggie, what haven't we talked about that you want to make sure that the listeners know and understand about uh, Thinking Huts? I think maybe I would just say that um, at the heart of our mission is increasing access to opportunities. And I think that education has ripple effects and you're not just changing the one person's life that you had mentioned before, Mm -hmm. but even like generations after. Um, So it's such a big impact you can make if they are able to go to school. Amen. Amen. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Maggie Grout. This is Patrick Watson, Lighthouse. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you heard the, uh, you just heard the Friday morning tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Again, the place to go for tickets and more information about this Saturday's Think Gala and Thinking Huts itself is thinkinghuts.org. I know I've 
Patrick Watson, Lighthouse from the Adventures in Your Own Backyard record of 2012, giving myself goose pimples here in the WLIWFM studio with that last track and first interview. And hopefully, all of you out there in Radioland, thoughtful uh, programming, thoughtful playlisting, uh, thinking of you, the listener and supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI. WFM. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Valley with There's Still a Light in the House from the Maybe Record of 2018, 10,000 Maniacs Shining Light from the Love Among the Ruins Record of 97 on deck, and the Straight Birds Light as a Fire from the Let It Pass Record of 2018. I've got some Joan Jett and the Black Hearts on deck after that with something a little more rock and roll a little less rock and roll than the track I considered, uh, which I think was called Light and Shade um, by The Things, which I enjoyed driving around yesterday, but I was like, ah, it's still a little too hard for the morning slot. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Valley, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome, and you're listening to WLIWFM 19 minutes before the next NPR news break and the local news update here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. I like to call you on the way home. Another precious call to waste on my mouth. My chance is tugging me by the shoulder, but there's no home to let you in or let me out. There's still a lot in the face so close to mine in Chelsea Market There's something about her 
Rockin' and rollin' into the NPR news break at the top of the hour. From Joan Jett and the Blackhearts to Greta Van Fleet's Light My Love. From their 2021 record, The Battle at Garden's Gate, WLIWFM.
With Long Island Local News, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. At a time when the U.S. Supreme Court is pushing more issues back to the states, the battle for the New York State Legislature is reaching its home stretch. Yancey Roy reports on Newsday.com that Democrats go in holding two to one supermajorities in each House, but Republicans are talking confidently, maybe not about capturing a majority, but gaining seats, especially in the state Senate. The outcome, combined with the race for governor, will set the course for action in Albany at a crucial time in political history, uh, candidates and analysts agree in New York State Democrats now hold a 42 to 20, one vacancy advantage in the Senate, and 1 to 7 to 42, one vacancy in the Assembly. The better than two-thirds majorities gives uh, give them power to not only control legislation and the state budget, but also override a governor's veto, a lever they haven't had to deploy with Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul in office. But it could become crucial if Rep- uh, Republican Lee Zeldin defeats her in November. Uh, speaking of the election, Republican Nicholas LaLota and Democrat Bridget Fleming clashed over inflation, school safety and abortion during a Newsday TV debate for the open seat in the 1st Congressional District in Suffolk County. Michael Gormley reports on Newsday.com that LaLota, 43 of Amityville, chief of staff to the Republican presiding officer of the Suffolk County Ledge and Bridget Fleming, 62 of Noyak, a Suffolk County legislator, fielded questions before a live audience for more than 30 minutes was Wednesday night in the Newsday TV studios in Melville. The debate, which featured questions from Long Island residents and Newsday's political team, was moderated by Newsday Associate Editor Joy Brown. A video of the debate can be seen online at newsday.com slash TV. The sprawling first district runs from the Nassau County border along the North Shore through the East End. The seat is held by uh, Representative Lee Zeldin. The Republican from Shirley challenging Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul in the November 8 election. Lalota blamed inflation on massive overspending by Democratic President Joe Biden and on Democratic officials such as Fleming for failing to ease the strain on local residents by reducing government spending. Fleming said hard economic times are the result of the global pandemic that shut down the economy. Look, times are difficult, Fleming said, quote, we are coming off of a very difficult time in global history and inflation is a global problem, but it is very serious here at home. We need folks who are going to work across the aisle as I are going to uh, work across the aisle as I have throughout my career to ensure that we have the solutions, end quote. And finally, at a Riverhead Town board meeting this week, speakers voice support of a proposed code to regulate marijuana sales and consumption in town while also recommending adjustments to the regulations ahead of next month's vote. Jean-Paul Salamanca reports on Newsday.com that Riverhead in July 2021 opted in to allow cannabis retail dispensaries and on-site consumption sites in town. The regulations, if passed, would permit establishments to operate only in certain sections of town. Those sections uh, include Riverhead's business center, shopping centers, destination retail centers, uh, rural corridors, the village center, downtown centers, the Peconic River community, and other business districts. In addition, retail or on-site consumption establishments cannot be within a 1,000 feet of the property lines of any school, library, or daycare facility. Such sites also cannot be within 500 feet of any town beach, 
playground or community center, and children's amusement center. Riverhead Supervisor Yvette Aguiar previously told Newsday that with the lack of guidance provided by the state on the sale and consumption of adult-use marijuana, the town is taking a proactive approach to regulating it. Town Council person Ken Rothwell said the legislation was well-balanced, allowing retail sales and consumption for both customers and businesses, while also protecting the public. Written comments can be sent to the Riverhead Town Clerk's office until 4.30 p.m. on October 28th, so another week left on that. Staying in Riverhead for the weather, as who are those guys? James Gorman and Marty Attridge join me live in WLIWFM Studio 51 at the bottom of the hour for the Hot Sounds segment, underwritten by Sag Harbor Cinema. Cinema looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 63 degrees. Southwest wind 5 to 8 miles per hour. Clear tonight with a low around 42 degrees. South wind around 7 miles per hour. Right now it's 59 degrees and we are getting back to the light tracks. Uh, I played a a show like this recently, uh, but I planned almost all brand new tracks. I do have a uh, three-song series or I think only two will make it through. Uh, I love playing The Strokes' Red Light, followed by Inda Eaton's Green Light. So we're going to keep that in, uh, starting with Honeysuckle, Let the Light In. And we've got Who Are Those Guys Waiting for the Light on deck after that. Again, Jimmy Gorman and Marty Attridge joining me here in WLIWFM Studio 51 at the bottom of the hour. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. I'm catching the words as they fall from your lips And I'm sticking them in my pocket For another day And our world is so much more than for
Letting the light into the WLIWFM Studio 51 windows. We've got the Strokes and Inda Eaton, red light, green light. I will hop over Mazzy Starr's blue light and John Mayer's new light and possibly even the traveling Woolberries heading for the light to play Who Are Those Guys Waiting for the Light from the TikTok record of 2020, all depending, 2010, all depending on when Jimmy and Marty come here to be with me. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this is uh, The Strokes. We've got Long Island's own Inda Eaton, which, uh, who, by the way, will be performing live from WLIWFM Studio 51 uh, during Brian Cosgrove's afternoon ramble uh, next week, next Wednesday, as it were, which is October 26th. It's National Public Radio Music Day. Joe D'Elia will be joining me that morning at 1025. Uh, so, you know, we've always got something cooking here for you on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk, of course, streaming online wherever you are, to WLIW.org slash radio. You're listening to the heart of the East End. Music from all decades and genres and folks from all walks of life, all morning and midnight long, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Green light at the town hall At the date we forgot to call Bogged down in the details It's best to walk ahead Love lifts everyone and all Brings us home past the point of indecision on the most days I could feel it in your heart And I could hear it in your tone That the heart waits for the green light When there's nothing going on Heart waits for the green light We've been planning this day for all of our lives Love lifts and
And if you didn't know, I'll let you know again. Inda Eaton performing live from Studio 51 here in WLIWFM next Wednesday afternoon during Brian Cosgrove's afternoon ramble for NPR Music Day. Joe D'Elia joins us that morning. I hear Jimmy Gorman and Marty Attridge walking into the WLIWFM studio for us. So we're going to hop past Mazzy and Mayer, play the Traveling Wilburys as we're heading for the light. Who are those guys waiting for the light? On deck after that right here on WLIWFM. More than time on my hand. I was lost in the night with no sight of you. And at the time it was so blue and lonely, heading for the light. Close to the edge, hanging by my fingernails. I roll and I tumble through the roses on the palms. I'm 
All right, so I've got a very funny story, and I'm gonna out my guy a little bit. So this morning, I don't want to get, I don't want, I just didn't want to get out of my pajamas. I think it's like colds or or something like that. And I looked at, at what do I got going on on the show? I know, ah, oh, I got two people coming into the studio. I gotta get changed. So I'm saying that I'm saying that to to my guy. I said I got I got people coming into the studio. And he said, who's coming in? And I said, well, Jimmy Gorman and Marty Attridge. He said, who the hell are those guys? <laughs> I said, exactly. <laughs> so who are those guys? We just we just listened to uh, Waiting for the Light from the TikTok record. Jimmy, you said that song is like 35 years old? We figured out the car about 35 yeah. years. That yeah, that's amazing. from the 80s. I think 87 we that recorded is- that or something like that. That is amazing. Converted it from tape. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you were telling me. Yeah, real I tape. Take the old real to real was an eight-track tape. No, I think we banned. We, it was a, a, a it was already mixed, so I took the the half track and digitized it, and so that's how you can download it. Now. That is beautiful. And then and then Marty's telling we were, we're we're sort of trying to figure out because I'm like eight tracks, it, they must have had a small window. Uh, well, that was eight track cassette. Eight track tapes are different. Oh. That's a half inch tape. It had eight tracks on it. Real to real. On the reel to real. But we we actually have stuff on the eight track cassettes. From there was a format way back. Yeah. If you want to see some eight track tapes, you got to go to RIV in Riverhead because Bruce <laughs> uses them the 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 old eight tracks uh, as like deadening. It de- it deadens like it, 
you know, like noise. Really? Like, isn't it for, for sound baffles? Yes. Wow. Yes. And of course, <laughs> he's got the best vinyl library of any place I've ever seen. Wow. Wow. Bruce, if you're if you're listening, you're not. You're on the air. Uh, we're on the air here from WLIWFM Studio 51 with Jimmy Gorman and Marty Attridge. We're talking about who are those guys coming to the Vale Levitt uh, this Saturday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. It is. It's a, a whole Neil Young. Oh, I love that you did this like the harvest. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and we're gonna we're gonna play uh, one of their their Neil Young covers in a bit. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Vale Levitt Music Hall, a beautiful and very historic uh, spot in um, downtown Riverhead. Uh, there's, uh, I think it's what. Only the one other uh, second floor music opera. It's Jimmy, you're old, on the board. It's the aren't old, you? yes, I, I'm on the board. It's the oldest downstate theater. Oh well, that's it's historic. It's also that, but it's also like it was modeled after uh, the theater where where about Abraham a fifth scale Lincoln model of the Ford Theater. It's been yes. said, but it's of the. The architectural style as well, really cool. You know, it's got the the it's balconies got the two and it's got floors. That, yeah, yeah. I've s- I sat in that box once, just one time, and it was for um, one of I can't even th- one, one guitar. Don Bracken, yeah. yes, yep. Don Bracken's second year of the one guitar concert series. Uh, my favorite yeah. series because it brings out so much local talent. Yeah. We were, we were there. Yeah. Speaking Marty of which. Marty was on that. Yeah. yeah. Mar- and Doug. Yes. And Sharon played with us. Yes. Actually. Yeah. And, and, and Don did his last album at my studio. Did he? Yeah. So tell up. me about your studio. Oh, it's a private studio. It's, okay. it's at home. But uh, yeah, no, he finished up. Uh, we finished it up a while ago. He did. They just, I think, when the final edits on a video. Okay. For his, uh, I can make it easy. I really can't cool. wait to down share the road, that. Down the road. All right. So speaking of sharing. Uh, mm. We want to save the Vale Levitt. Yeah. Right. Sure. So let's let's talk a little bit about the tra- have you have you been on the board for a long time? I've been on the board most of this year. I guess I was in June or so. I okay. sort of jumped on. Maybe before even. But yeah, I'm the technical director technically, but I okay. wear about three or four hats. <laughs> you know, everybody does. It's, it's really cool. So so let's talk a little bit about the plight of the Vale from a a board member's perspective. Well, it, it is an old building, obviously, and the structural integrity and the roof and all of that kind of stuff. All what that has to need? be done. It needs ah, new from roof? top to bottom. It needs a roof. It needs electrical work. It's things that, not out of neglect, but just plain old age that right. need to be done. Um, structural surveys being made. We have a lot of people working with us, but we still really need more than that as, as we go down the road. Um, and then this is a site where, like, a lot of people play. I think I saw, um, what's his name from Zebra? Uh, Randy Jackson. Randy I Jackson. saw Randy Jackson there. Did, really? I've seen uh, they have Chad and Jeremy. Yep, there we go. Perform there. Leon, um, Leon Redbone. I've Did seen. Peter Torque. Yeah. Peter Tor, yeah, yep. from the monkeys. I missed that Bucky one. Pizzarelli. I missed, I missed Peter, but I got to. I, I Pete Best was him. there. I mean, I got to hear Jim Queskin, Jeff Moldar, Chad and Jeremy, and Sam Taylor. Course, obviously, was there a lot. And then the um, uh, Bonnie Grice's yeah, boots, uh, on, boots the on, the on the ground is coming, yeah. uh, or is already no, started. They're over here, so now they did one. They did. Uh, I thought they the agitators. Back. They did the agitators they did last the year. Agitators there. On past, 
past summer. Okay, right. I thought that they were back for for the Jekyll and Hyde one. No, I think that's that's down here. I saw Dracula at they, the Vale. That was really cool. I yeah, we're going to get the black box up and running better, too. Downstairs, you know, the small. The old should be the mini cine. Oh, okay. That I've, will I've eventually seen... be a, an open mic kind of coffee house thing. Laura and I are working on that. I saw her name is escaping me. Jesse because Haynes? Jesse Haynes. Is, no, it was, uh-huh. it's a, a female guitar playing vocalist. She has a, like a short pixie cut and big eyes. Her name will come to me one of these days, you know, in the middle of the night, five days from now. Get up, write it on your little dream list. Dang. All right. So, so let's, all right. I'm going to play this Neil Young track. <laughs> That'll let's, give you an idea tell, of what we're going to do. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, all right. So we're, we're doing out on the weekend. Yeah. yeah this out was from my, um, we did a, uh, uh what was sh- it? Oh, in, when 2020, when the COVID first hit. COVID, we, we did, uh, it was uh, something. Craft Aid. It was Craft, craft Aid. Aid right. We did Craft Aid for some of the local breweries to keep their business open and I running. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it was two days of filming, and I recorded that, and they mixed it later and such. But I just pulled it off of video, so. I think I, I, I lent, I think I lent my Ford voice for brewery, that. Yeah. I was like, I did like a, a, a voice promo or something for it. Yeah, that's how I met and got in touch with Diane Tushy, too. She's oh, really, that's, Diane so, is this wonderful. This island is just so small, we I'll love, tell you what. We love you, Diane. She's and that's, great. Yeah, she put together all of Craft Aid. She, yes. uh, and, and she she also she came to me about good stuff for next downtown summer. Red. I think that in July she wants to have a children's uh, theater camp. Oh, at I'm the down. Veil. Okay. And you have like a week long, and then they'll do the show on a week. That's great. Well, we're here to help. Yeah. You're Just want to get the building in better shape for it, but yeah, for sure. This is exciting. All right, so we're trying. We're trying to help out the Veil. Uh, who are those guys? Who are going to be playing tomorrow night. Doors open at six thirty. Uh, SaveTheVail.org if you want to get tickets. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, Jimmy Gorman and Marty Attrich will be staying with us here on WLIWFM for one more. Uh, segment here on Long Island's only NPR radio station.
Neil Young's Out on the Weekend, as performed by those guys. You can see those guys this weekend at the Vale Levitt Music Hall. Uh, Savethevale.org for tickets and more information. So we start playing the track, and Jimmy Gorman goes, well, you know where we met, right? Yeah, back in like, oh. It was 2011 or or 12. Or sooner, maybe. No. No? Because that story was my i believe the first story that i reported when i moved over from shelter island to uh the, the suffolk times yeah. to the to the suffolk times uh, uh mothership as they called it i was it uh tim tim was was in charge at the time right at the paper wasn't he Tim Kelly, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah that he was my he was my editor. <laughs> we needed. We we love you, Tim. Yeah, we're we're yeah. he's not with us. He's not with us. Around he's here. with us. He's, he's not. He's, not he's with <laughs> us. He's, he's with us. He's just not with us. The East End <laughs> is what I mean. Right. All right. So I was tell the, the story. Right, I was the sexton at Manitowoc Presbyterian at the time, and we had this huge two hundred twenty year old tree up front that was there forever, obviously. And we had a bad storm. I don't yeah, know, it was a hurricane. It was. It was something. <clears throat> this tree fell. Just so, where it didn't even scratch the stained glass on the, the church right, on one or, side, or, or, or damage the, or the, the cemetery. You're right. It 
broke the fence a little bit, but it just came straight down the middle, and it was a story in itself. It showed up yeah. huge, huge tree. If you think about it, it sort of did you a favor, because now you don't have to pay for someone to take it down. You still got to pay someone to take it away. <laughs> I would have rather left it there and let it grow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, it, took, it was about a project to take it out, though. But there's but, a nice, there's a, right where it used to be is a, is, a, is a quiet place to sit, and you can kind of just, you know, hang out there. So it's kind of cool. Proof in the pudding, my friends, of how small a world getting smaller every day, this, this like, fishbowl in which we live that we call the East End. That is a beautiful story, and it should be a cautionary tale. If you are a person that perhaps moved out from the city, be nice. Be nice to everyone you meet because it will come back to haunt you if you if you're not. It's a small town out here. Yeah. Speaking of which, how was my driving? Was I nice to you, Jim? Oh, uh, you'd be fine. <laughs> I was a I was a uh, a munchkin then. I was like, I was probably uh, very like. Didn't you have a black shepherd? Didn't you have a shepherd, a dog? I did, I had a husky. husky he was a husky. Dog. I remember you walking he, down Love Lane with the yes. Learning B- one of the sh- Bukowski. He was a husky retriever. He was a husky golden retriever. So his he he looked like a husky, but his markings were golden. He was a good boy. One time, I remember he he would he would run, he would go out and then he would come home. One day I got a call from uh the police. <laughs> <laughs> of course you name your dog Bukowski. He's going to go out drinking without you. <laughs> that was probably the best the best Bukowski story that I have. All right, but we're talking about the Vale Lovett Music Hall, and we're talking about the uh, who are those guys. It's it's sort of a kind of a a rarity to see you guys all together these days. Or where where do you, it's because of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, well, we, we we've uh, we're actually there's what four or five of us tomorrow. Tomorrow is not five. the whole. What is the whole? Well, the whole used to be used to Lindsay Reeve was in, with with yes. us, and then Tom Daly was with us. And does Matt, Lindsay yeah, ever? And, does Lindsay still play with well, you? Well, no, he's he's got his own band now, right? <laughs> Called the Lindsay Reeve yes. Band, yeah, which is actually my brother Doug and and Sharon playing with him. And so yeah, everybody but, overlaps. But we're, we're a still bit. we're still overlapping. I know it's, it's still yeah. yeah it's we a do a lot of duet thing. work and trio work things, like that. but yeah. it all depends on the the venue and what they and need. the date. Yeah, you right. know when you have a big band, some I mean, talk about the difficulty of practice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we don't practice. We're, we don't practice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like musicians out there don't get... listen to them. <laughs> we, we we learn on stage. All right. Well, so that's usually right. by the second or third time. Well, and you guys have been playing together for oh, yeah, 1978. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's when amazing. I met Marty. So all right. So t- now I got to hear that story. Yeah, I got back from the service, and uh, while I was away, my which bro- branch? Air Force. All right. Thank you. And thank I, you for I was your service. I was playing at a wine and cheese place in Hicksville. No, oh. Hicksville Road, Hemp Hicks- Turnpike. Oh, that's right. It's called the Back Barn. It's called the Back <laughs> I Barn. I remember now. And oh, a wow. friend of his. Well, and my brother. A friend of our, and, and his brother. My brother was living there at Mickey's. They, they stopped by and saw me, and then they ran back to him and said, oh, we saw this guy. You got to play with him. No. And, it wound up, and wound up, my brother knew Mickey because they worked together. And so Tiny, tiny world. We yes. got in. So I got together with Jim and my brother in Mickey's living room, and we played a couple of songs, and, and that was it. And then <laughs> it just from there. It, it went on from there. East End royalty, guys. Yeah. Listen, this is so important. Like, even if you're not, even if you can't make it, I don't know. See, it's tough with calls to action, but correct. I, I, uh, how do I say this? We're gonna try to live Go. stream it, but I'm, I'm gonna get a ticket. 
That's what I'll say. Savethevale.org. Neil Young concert tomorrow. You can go to thevale.org. Or the That gives you all the history pages. You can go through that and you can see a little bit of the background. That's V-A-I-L, my friends. Thevale.org. All right, so we, we're we're way over time. So I got I got to do what you got. I got to do. do a show. I'm gonna play. Um, we're gonna play uh, the L.A. song from Marty Atrich's Old North Road record before I let you gentlemen go for this time. You will be back, Marty. Uh, what can you say about this record? Uh, let me see. This song or the record? Oh, both. <laughs> say well, it all. It was just a bunch of songs I had that. You know, I, I just wanted to do something that was kind of separate from who are those guys, you know, so, right. so we, we experimented with that. And this song is actually written about my, somewhat about my son who was signed to Disney and Hollywood Records. He was in a boy band <gasps> called Forever In Your Mind. Oh, cool. And so he moved, he was 15 years old. He moved from New York out to L.A. Whoa. And spent the next five, five six years out there. Where is he now? He's, he's back in New York. He, Where are those guys? <laughs> they're kind of gone their own well what happens with disney you age out so right yeah, so. yeah so. that's all right well you still have that on your resume for all time yeah yeah yeah. which isn't a bad thing and, and he, his first gig was at city field <laughs> you go figure that out crazy <laughs> we were gigging we stopped that's how you it. know and that's how you know also that you can do something on that level which yeah, is something yeah. that you know they can't take that away from oh, you. Never, no. never. And, and it's great stuff and he co-wrote a lot of the stuff they did and, We'll have to have him on one of these days. <laughs> That's what the song's about. <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're look him up. Look forever in your mind. There's a ton of material. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Marty Attridge and Jimmy Gorman. This is Marty Attridge's L.A. song from the Old North Road record. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Don't forget, savetheveil.org or theveil.org for tickets for tomorrow's uh, who are those guys? Neil Young tribute, Save the Veil special show. You're listening to WLIWFM. Sunshine and palm trees seem to need in trade for a New York winter that's been cold and gray. Contract signed. Promises made Right goes boy in a left coast world Perfect smiles and surfer girls Headshots and freeways, silver and gold Sometimes I miss Sometimes I miss the cold
palm trees to a slow fade into a New York winter gray. Headshots and freeways, silver and gold. In LA, it doesn't snow. In LA, it doesn't snow. Oh my gosh. Having too much fun in the WLIWFM studio. That was one of my favorite interviews. Uh, Marty Attridge and Jimmy Gorman leading you into the NPR news break and the end of another successful broadcast week here on the Heart of the East End with American Aquarium Old North State on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Zaza. 